T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It is 9.08 on this uh, Wednesday morning. Dub Lane joins us right now. Walter Dub Lane, Associate Professor of Economics and Finance at, I am proud to say, my alma mater, UNO. And I got to quote Clancy DuBose again, Dub, who said, UNO built the middle class of this city. And I think he is absolutely, totally right. And I can't thank UNO enough for all they've done for me. And I don't know if I ever had you or not. How long have you been at UNO? 37 years. I may have. It's been a long time ago, but I might <laughs> yeah. might well have. Um, yeah. You might have, of the many students you've rolled your eyes out at, I may have been one of them, Dub, so <laughs> okay. there you go. And now you'd probably be doing the same thing today. Let's talk about Medicare and Social Security. Joe Biden unveiled President Biden his plan to avert a Medicare funding crisis, not anything about Social Security. Those are far and away, to set the stage, the biggest things that the United States spends money on, or two of the bigger things? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's, and it is both, and both of them are going bankrupt. So uh, that's a very big concern, although it's not a surprise. I remember studying this on, on Social Security uh, back when I was in graduate school in the late 1970s, we had talked about how uh, you know the, the demographics and everything else was going to work out so that uh, the Social Security Trust Fund will go bankrupt in the, about where, where we're predicting it now in the next 10 years. So, um, so this is not a new problem. It's been around for my entire career. And yet now that it's getting close, obviously people are starting to think about it. Please don't Medicare gloat. is a little different problem because don't. not only does it have the same demographic issue, but of course – uh, because of our increases in technology, the amount of money we spend to keep people healthy or to uh, to to treat them has gone up, you know, exponentially, which couldn't have been predicted even in 1965 when Medicare went into place. I don't think there's any need to gloat, Dub. We think the world of you. Okay, I know you predicted it back in 1970. Well, no, no, I just learned about just, it. I mean, that was common knowledge. I'm just kidding around. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Medicare Trust Fund and, and maybe the way this whole thing is funded, because I remember during the Obamacare discussion we went into it in depth but a lot of things come in and knock stuff out of your brain so let's revisit that if we may well again and of course i first of all need to talk about medicare part a uh, part a which is the hospitalization insurance is what we're talking about today that's what funds out of the trust fund uh, the part uh, b which is the doctor's insurance is is come is funded by a separate uh, source and then uh, of course, uh, Part uh, D, the, 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 one, the new one that Bush put into effect with the uh, drugs, is also private insurance that's got separate funding. Um, what but, funds so, Part B? Well, again, it's it's also some of it is subsidized by the government, but you know people have to pay uh, extra money to get the Part D. You have to pay an extra premium, just like you with Part B. You've got to pay a premium to get Part B. Now that premium. 
premium that you pay for Part B is only 25% of the total cost, so it's still funded, but it's funded out of the general budget instead of out of the uh, the, the Medi- Medicare uh, Trust Fund. And the Medicare Trust Fund, it comes from your Social Security taxes, your FICA taxes. Um, most of that goes to Social Security, but about 1.9% of your contribution and matched by the employer goes into the Medicare Trust Fund. Uh, so it's, but it's, most people think of it as part, if they look on their paycheck, um, I don't know if most firms separate those out. That's part of that FICA uh, amount that everybody takes out, that 6% that they take out of everybody's salary. Part of that goes to, most of it goes to Social Security, and part of that goes to Medicare. All right, so the Republicans are slamming the president for proposing cuts to Medicare Advantage. That would be what? Now, that's Part C. Medicare part Advantage C. is that instead of having the government as your um, insurer, you can get a private company. And that what that means is that the government gives uh, People's Health or, or Blue Cross or whoever it is mm-hmm. uh, a fixed amount of money every year uh, to to cover your Medicare expenses, and then, and then the private company, uh, you know, cover uh, you know care covers your expenses. So it's a private insurance funded by the mostly by the federal government. Now you may have to, to buy, depending on your situation, you may have to also pay more than what the government gives them. Um, but uh, that's that's uh, so. There's you can you can either be on Medicare either through Medicare Advantage, uh, which is what we're talking about here, or the traditional Medicare um, and which is, again, all of the bulk of that money comes from the government, but there are differences in the programs. And the CBO reported that Biden spent $80 billion of Medicare Advantage for IRS expansion, $76 billion to reduce greenhouse gases, $36 billion on refundable tax credits. I don't want to get into the politics of this, yeah. but did the money that he took out of that, will that affect anybody today in their Medicare Advantage plan? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, it's uh, there's... There's been some feeling that Medicare Advantage is overcompensated, uh, but there's, I think, two reasons for that. One is the people that choose Medicare Advantage, on average, tend to be a little bit healthier, um, and so therefore their expenses to the insurance company are a little bit less. The other one is, in these days, because the insurance company now gets a fixed amount of money every year. So for instance, if you go to for the hospital or the doctor, that's a fee-for-service payment for Medicare. The amount that gets paid, it depends upon how many times you go to the doctor, how many times you go to the hospital. For Medicare Advantage, if you're in Medicare Advantage, the government gives the, the Blue Cross or People's Health a fixed amount of money called a per capitated payment every year. Now, that means that their revenues are fixed. So now it completely changes their incentive structures, and so they now uh, have an incentive to try to keep you healthy because the healthier they keep you, uh, the less money they have to pay out, and they get to keep the rest. And that's why you see that the people that have those type of things are giving people free gym memberships. They give them wristwatches that keep track of their blood pressure and their 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 blood sugar levels and you know they're they're trying to do things that they've, they've identified that about 20 percent of the people spend 80 percent of the cost they're trying to identify those people which is people diabetics and um, people high cholesterol high blood pressure and try to keep them healthy keep them on their meds uh, and it turns out that's actually been very successful uh, which of course means that uh, if they by keeping people healthier the the hospitals who, or the insurance companies make money off of that. And, and then I think that's uh, Biden's partly thinking, well, that's why now we're giving them too much money because they've, they've been keeping people healthy. That's kind of a strange way to punish them. 
you know, every now and then you just got to scratch your head, don't you, Doug? Uh, yeah, you really do. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading from a Washington Post story here. Roughly 60 million seniors depend on Medicare for their health insurance. Because the program is spending uh, money at a much faster clip than it brings in funding, it faces automatic federal cuts starting in 2028. I'm wondering about those automated, uh, automatic federal cuts because, unlike state government, the federal government does not have to operate with a balanced budget. Is that something legislatively that Congress put in? Where'd that come from? Well, that's just the way the fund's set up. Is Medicare Part A is funded out of um, the the Trust combination fund. of oh. what we all give in when we're when we're working that that FICA tax that we give in. Plus, if if, if that doesn't cover it, then they start drawing down the Medicare Trust Fund. When that Medicare Trust Fund goes bankrupt. Uh, goes to zero, then there won't be enough money to cover Medicare Part A. So at that point, just you know, legislative way, the way the program was set up in 1965, then they would either have to do one of two things. Uh, since there's no law that's been changing it, then obviously they would have to cut payments by 20%. Now, that won't happen. The federal government will then choose to uh, use regular tax money to fund it. But right now, that, that Part A is covered strictly by uh, your the, the Social Security tax and, and the money that's been – because people have been paying into it for a long time, they built up a big trust fund. They'd, for many years, um, when people, the baby boomers, you know, were, were young, they were paying in and not taking anything out. Well, now uh, there's more people, the baby boomers are coming, they're taking it all out, and that trust fund is disappearing. All right, let me take a break, Dub. We'll digest what we've heard so far, and then okay. we'll talk about the bucket that is called the Medicare, Medicare Trust Fund and how much is coming out of it at the bottom, how much is going in at the top, and has Congress rated that? I seem to remember something along those lines during the Obamacare uh, discussions that Congress raids that occasionally. Do they refill it? And what's the future for Medicare, and will Biden's plan work? 917, you got any questions or comments, 504-260-1870. Medicare is the kind of thing you don't care about until it affects you, then all of a sudden you get very, very interested in it. We're talking to Walter Dublane, Associate Professor of Economics and Finance at UNO, and I might add, your parents as well. Back in a flash, Tommy Tucker, WWL. It's 924, talking to Walter Dublane, Associate Professor of Economics and Finance at UNO. Dub, let's be honest, Medicare is a real snooze fest until, <laughs> hang on, until you, <laughs> I got a snort out of you, until yeah. you need it, or somebody you know needs it or gets involved with it, then suddenly it becomes very real. And and I will say also that nothing just happens. I don't care if it's cakes for the bake sale or, or selling tickets at the football game uh, for high school, whatever. Nothing just happens. You have to make plans and things have to be in place, especially when you're talking about something as big as Medicare. And that's why we talk about it. 60 million seniors depend on it now. When it comes to estimates for the future, and you're talking about the, the estimates going way back to the 70s, Dub, are, are the baby boomers, are we in the height of it now with the demand, demands rather for Medicare? Are we approaching that? Have we peaked? No, we haven't peaked yet because okay. we still have the baby boomers. The oldest baby boomers are now about 75 and um, that there's still several others that are, you know, just beginning to come into the Medicare age at age 65. So what would the, the youngest? Thing is, I'm sorry, Doug. What would the youngest baby boomer be? About 60ish, oh, something like that. 60ish, I guess. The uh, the the youngest baby boomers would be about 60, I think. Okay. Now, all right. I didn't mean to so interrupt you. There's still more of them that'll be coming for the next five or seven years. There'll be 
a whole lot of them still coming into the Medicare system. But it's not. It's more important than that. Is that the people that say are 65 to 75 have fairly reasonable bresolkites. It's a, when they get people to 80 is when they start being big users of mm-hmm. Medicare. And so now that's where the the leading the, the big the leading group of baby boomers haven't even hit that mark yet. So in terms of cost, uh, that is there's huge projections of Medicare expenditures on baby boomers over the next 10 to 15 years are going to keep increasing every year pretty dramatically. Most of the money that is spent in Medicare is spent on people that are near the end of their lives and end of life care. Is that accurate or not? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and that there's a whole big issue there is that, that the United States you know, spends because of the way, way the Medicare program works. Um, you know, the, the more you, the more you, uh, if you're a doctor or a hospital, and somebody says, "Oh, you know, you've got terminal cancer, but we've got if you spend an extra thirty thousand dollars, maybe we can add a month more more to your life." We just do it. In other countries, that I don't think that happens because the hospitals make money off of that, the doctors make money off of that, and there's no uh, you know system to to control that expenditure. So yes, we spend a, a lot more in the last year of life, and of course, part of that's when people you know, with the last year of life they get sick and die, right? Mm-hmm. So some of that's you know just by cause uh, and effect, nature. Yeah. But the point is, when you're getting sick and you have a terminal illness, how much should you spend to to you know, to extend people's lives by what is at usually months. Uh, and the answer is we spend enormous amounts um, uh, that's economically uh, cost-benefit seems a little – well doesn't seem to match up. But yeah, nobody qu- ever asks those questions. Well, quality they, of life is a concern, and I've said this exactly. before to you, that if, if I were to go to somebody and say, look, we can keep Grandma, grandma alive for six weeks – Here's a second mortgage on your house. It's going to cost, you know, $300,000. You'll be paying 30 years for grandma's extra six weeks. They'd probably think twice about it as opposed to, well, Medicare is going to cover it. Spare no expense. Do whatever you can. And with technology increasing exponentially, I think this is a problem that's going to have to be addressed. Nobody will because as soon as you do, it starts getting labeled as death squads, correct? As a friend of mine who's the chief economist at Blue Cross uh, likes to say, that uh, Americans have an unbelievable capacity to spend other people's money. Exactly. That's what so, I'm saying. And I'm not trying to be crude about it or no, rude. No, it's true. It's a, that's a, that's but a, we'll that's never have and, – and we'll never have that conversation in this country. And as a result, tell me about the funding for – Medicare out of the trust fund is the trust fund solvent? Uh, is are the politicians rating it? What's going on with that? No, I mean it's it's just pure demographics. And remember, in 1965, and you could say the same story with regard to, to Social Security, but then you go back to the 1930s. But in 1965, when Medicare was put into place, you could think of this as being a social contract. Okay, if you will get in, and first of all, everybody needs to realize. Uh, people tend to think of Social Security and Medicare as I put this money into the system for 40 years, so I've got a big pot of money sitting there uh, and that I can draw out of. It doesn't work that way. Uh, in 1965, when you started paying taxes, there were a bunch of people that started taking it out. So most of it is uh, Medicare and Social Security are an intergenerational transfer of funds. People working today put the money in. The people retired and today take it out. Your, so your I, money's I, going I, to Flagstaff with June and Harry on retirement, right? What's that? Your money's gone to Flagstaff with yes. June and Harry. They're retired. Exactly, yeah. exactly. 
and 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 but because in for for thirty or forty years there were a lot more people putting into the system than taking out of it, it there was a trust fund it, it got built up well now the more people are taking out well let me also go back to the contract in 1965 you signed a deal that says basically okay if you um, were to work for forty years. Then at age 65, we'll start putting a Medicare, and if you live for another five or ten years, we'll take care of you. Well, the problem is people are working for 40 years, but now they're living for 15 or 20 years. <laughs> and, and the math doesn't work uh, because uh, in 1965, there were four people paying into the system for every person that was taking out. We are now down to 2.4 people paying into the system for everybody taking it out so that, that there's not enough people working today to take care of the retired people. Um, and or, which is also Medicare and Social Security. So that it's, it's, a, it's a basic math problem, uh, and but people don't think of it that way. And also, Dub, I mentioned the exponential increase in technology with end-of-life care. I think that's going to bring up an issue of just because we can, should we? And if we do, somebody's got to pay for that, which puts a bigger bucket in the, a bigger hole in the Medicare trust fund bucket, right? At the exactly. Bottom. Exactly, because the uh, like I say the, what we in 1965 when you set up the the, the taxes the same now as it was then, uh, the amount of things that we could do in 65 and 1970 is dwarfed by the amount of things we can do now, which is good. Things that can people make live make, make people live longer, stuff like that. But it's all very expensive, uh, and so those uh, so not only are the demographic issues, but the cost per patient has gone up uh, tremendously. So I don't think you need to be an economist with all due respect to, to what you no. do to realize that this this is not a sustainable model, that at some point um, the roadrunner is going to reach the edge of the cliff, right? So what happens then? Or, or somebody's going to either have to pay more taxes. How do you keep funding this? Well, again, there's only a couple things you can do. You can raise taxes on the people that are working. Mm-hmm. You can cut benefits to people that are retired. That would never really happen. only two choices. But politically, now, that would never happen. What's interesting it? is that the, France is dealing with the same issue right now. And I don't know if you've been hearing about the protest. They are trying to raise the retirement age. It's the Social Security instead of Medicare. But mm-hmm. they're trying to raise their retirement age from 62 to 64, and they're having protests in the street. Uh, people, you know, the, the reality that I told you about, the social contract, people just don't like to recognize that because they live longer, they might actually have to work longer, mm-hmm. which to me is the only reasonable answer. But it's, I seem to be one of the few that thinks that. <laughs> well, work longer so that they can take care of themselves and not depend as heavily on right. Social Security or Medicare. Right. And I would think they'll be, pay, they'll be paying into the system for a few more years and, and both paying in but not taking out. So and, what? And, and, then that's you know that seems to be to be the only other alternative is to tax the people who are working today or cut the benefits to the people that are that are retired. Politically, Those are only two choices. Yeah, politically, and, and they're both ugly. Right. Politically, I don't know how you'll ever cut benefits. I don't see any politician standing up and doing that. However, I don't see a lot of politicians standing up and wanting to raise taxes either. So how does this story end? Well, I, I forgot. There's a third choice. Okay. Deficit spending. Ah, print just print money. some money. Well, we can do that. That's, that's <laughs> we're very good at before. it. Yeah. So is that how you see this playing out? Unfortunately. So if that's the case, <laughs> let me go to uh, well, some now, subject. Remember, now, remember Biden's proposal is to tax the rich. Over um, 400000 That's how he's defining uh, it, right? Right, right. Uh, over 400000 But let me, let me give you, you know, and, and he says over and over again, they need to pay, pay their fair, fair share. Let me give you some basic numbers here. That uh, that the uh, the 
bottom half of all taxpayers, that's half of all taxpayers, uh, basically earned about 10% of the total amount of income in the country. And they paid 2% of that into the federal government. Uh, the top 1%, they did earn 22%. They're getting a heck of a lot out of it, but they're covering 42% of the federal income taxes. So uh, the bottom half of the people are paying 2% of the federal income taxes. The top 1% is paying 42%, and they're not paying their fair share. Um, you know, and, and I have a, I have a kind of a philosophical issue. Say, oh, the problem is really good. I need more cost. Let's let somebody else pay for it. Uh, you know, uh, that's a philosophical issue. That's not an economic issue. No, but let's talk about the deficit or debt, rather, not deficit, because deficit yeah. is year to year. Debt is what's accumulated. I, I don't have the clock open right now. We're, we're at thirty three trillion. Where are we at? Yeah, I, I can't count that. Somewhere high. along those lines. <laughs> So at some point, do we reach a tipping point? I, I guess what I'm saying, and, you know, people are texting yeah. and saying, uh, so I get to work until I die. I hope I get to work until I die. Somebody else saying, so yeah. uh, at 55, is there going to be anything left when I get to retire? I, I think there will because I don't see the politicians ever having the will to say we're not going to fund this or raise taxes to pay for it. Well, and again, let me go back. I don't know if you remember a few years ago uh, when there was the, the country of Greece was uh, really having a lot, getting a lot of attention because their debt, uh, they really spent a lot of money and were very bad about collecting taxes, and their debt had gotten up to over 80%, 100% of their GDP, uh, and, and they felt like that was unsustainable. Well, you know what? We're there, okay? okay? You know, when, when Greece did it all by themselves, we, we decided, oh, you know, the world, that can't continue. That's unsustainable. Well, now the rest of the world is now caught up with Greece. Uh, you know, partly because of COVID and some other things that have gone on. But, uh, uh, the, you know, we don't know that. How much debt does it happen before people lose faith in, again, the money supply? So and what is you, it like, before we run out of time, Dub, what is sure, it sure. like in Greece now? Well, again, they've, they've, they got imposed enormous austerity measures for the last decade, and they're back down to a little bit more normal level. But they paid a heavy price for that to get there. Thirty-one point six trillion now and counting. Um, any final thoughts? Will 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 Medicare always be there for somebody under its current form? I, I can't see it going away. No, uh, it's just a matter of you know how are we going to pay for it. Social Security, a conversation for another day. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate your time. Okay. All right, Tommy. Walter Dublin, Associate Professor of Economics and Finance at UNO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.